0: As we can uh, see on the screen, we are going to be looking at the book of Jonah for the next four weeks, Lord willing. So if you have your Bible, um, whatever form it's in, I invite you to open it up. It's um, on page 840, 864 in my Bible, so I don't know if that helps you at all, but... Help me. So, um, a lot of you uh, continue to talk to Lynn and I over the last few weeks, and um, there was one question that came up over and over and over again. And it was, are you going to the fair? I'm here to tell you, we went to the fair. We have seen the South Dakotan Uh, state fair, and um, we have lived to talk about it. There's something about a fair that, um, have you noticed the aroma of a fair? There is the smell of diesel from the fair rides mixed with the smell of fried food, mixed with the... uh, thousands of people that you're bumping up again and then you add cow manure to that (laughs) it's a smell that is nowhere else found on the planet but at state fairs and so we went and um, had a good time Uh, saw some people we know saw lots of people we didn't Um, So one of the places that Linda really wanted to go at the State Fair was to, I guess, what's called the Women's Building. I notice that there's no men's building, but there is a women's building. And inside there, of course, is all the quilts. And there were some amazing quilts hanging up that Linda took pictures of and shared with various friends and some gals that we know that love to make quilts. And underneath the quilts hanging up there were these um, glass cases, if you've been there. And behind the glass case was all sorts of little things that uh, had ribbons on them, first place and second place and third place. And I'm going to be very honest with you. Some of the things that had ribbons, now if your stuff was there, please forgive me, but I kind of said, why? Why? yeah (laughs) I just you know uh, I just uh, I didn't get it you know Um, there's a there was a collection of old um, greeting cards it got a ribbon and I just want to tell you if my mom was still alive she would have taken best in class she had more old greeting cards um, but anyway, one of the things that I saw behind the glass was an iron, and I read about the iron and it looked nice and shiny, but it was it told me and i 'd never seen this before, and probably some of you have, but um, it was a gasoline powered iron, and it was specifically on the owner card it was said it 's the bride's iron, and I thought, this can't end well. <laughs> um, gasoline in an iron by a young, used by a young woman who maybe have never ironed anything can't end well. As we read the book of Jonah, we get into the first chapter even, um, we have to say, this can't end well. And if you know the story of Jonah, you realize that, at least in the middle of it, it doesn't end well. Now, I've been asked um, a few times, in fact, the last church that we went to for an internship or interim uh, pastoring, uh, we had a meeting with the, with the congregation. We, were, um, we had an opportunity to go there uh, before we started, and they wanted to see if they uh, liked me or thought I was up to muster to uh, be at their church. And so we had this uh, great group of people, and they asked various questions. And one man, about three-quarters of the way back, right on the end of the aisle, said, "Um, do you believe that the book of Jonah is true? It was one of those test questions was going to test me to see if I believed in the inspiration of Scripture. I knew where he was coming from and where he was going to. And I kind of pushed down my snide remark. But I said to him, about the book of Jonah, this is what I know. That if I believe in the virgin birth, the death of Jesus on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead, I have no problem with the book of Jonah. I believe that Jesus fed the 5,000. I have no problem with the book of Jonah. I believe in a God who uh, spoke and creation happened. He is the God of wonders beyond our galaxy. I have no problem with those things. So, therefore, I have no problem with the truth of the book of Jonah. Was it a whale? A real large pike? I don't know. Probably was in the ocean, so it probably wasn't a pike. Could have been a salmon. But uh, God can make a fish big enough to swallow a man. But that's getting ahead of us a little bit. Jonah chapter 1. Let me um, read for you. Now the word of Yahweh came to Jonah, the son son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of Yahweh. But the Lord, Yahweh, hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was threatened to break up. The sailors, the mariners, were afraid and each of them called out to his own God. And they hurled cargo over the side of the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down. Doubt- down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep so the captain came and said to him what do you mean you sleeper arise call on your god perhaps the god will give us a thought to us and we may not perish And the sailors said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah, and they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became exceedingly afraid and said to them, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of Yahweh because he had told them. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea had grown more and more temptuous. And he said to them, pick me up. Hurl me into the sea. And then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon, come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more. Therefore they called out to Yahweh, O Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not his innocent blood on us. For you, O Yahweh, have done it, has done as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. And then the mere the men feared Yahweh exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Things did not end well. When you uh, move away from God, things don't go well. Now, God had told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now, you have to remember, Nineveh, Nineveh was one of the arch enemies of Israel, It was a major city in the Assyrian uh, nation. Uh, Nineveh was founded um, by a man by the name of Nimrod, and he was the grandson of Ham, who was the son of Noah. So he comes from a good line. But he didn't stay there. He becomes a man of war and he builds Nineveh into this, as God says in the word here, it was a great city and he'll say that over and over again to noah go to that great city it's large it is powerful and god says about nineveh that their evil has come up before me and that word evil is also uh translated over and over again in the old testament as their destruction god not only saw their evil but he also saw their coming destruction so remember, interesting that maybe three or four more times in this chapter, uh, that word evil comes up. Talking about the destruction that's coming to uh, these sailors in their boat. Now, Jonah chose to, to flee. Instead of going to Nineveh, going one way, he goes the opposite way. I want to show you this map he went down to Joppa, which is um, there right on the coast. And he's supposed to go about 550 miles, across land to Nineveh. Instead, he heads to Tarshish, which is on the, what we would call Spain today, but it's on the outside of Spain. It is in going into the Atlantic Ocean. He wants to leave the Mediterranean and then go as far as possible For the ancient people, this is the end of the world. For those people, you know, pre-Columbus, this is where things fall off. You can't go any farther than Tarshish. In fact, I wonder, even finding a boat that would go there, that's a very dangerous place. And as we read in Scripture, the sea has always been a place of darkness and deepness. It's scared the living daylights out of people. We hear of sea monsters coming up out of the sea. It was a place of, of danger and of evil. And you took your own life in your, your, you know, life in your own hands. Any time you went out on the, on the water. So, Jonah flees. But he doesn't get very far. You know, I, when I thought about Jonah's running away, I realized that his theology wasn't quite complete. He um, probably didn't know Psalm 139. Do you remember Psalm 139? There is nowhere I can flee from your presence. If I go up to the heights, you are there. If I go down to the very depths, you are there. There is nowhere you can flee. Where I go, you are there. I cannot run from you. But Jonah ran but he didn't get very far. Now, the important thing that we need to know in the book of Jonah is this. The book of Jonah is not about the prophet as much as it is about God's grace. In fact, this is one of the... um, I think it's one of the only books of the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets, that doesn't really uh, talk about God's uh, message. I mean, it's, it's in there, but really it's about the prophet. And you read the other prophetic books, it doesn't talk so much about the prophet as about God's words through the prophet, But that only covers a very small part of Jonah. We really see Jonah. We see Nineveh. We see the sailors. The truth is for us today that we need to understand that God's grace reaches all parts. God had grace for Nineveh, an exceedingly great city, an evil city, A city that will be bent on destruction. And God says to his prophet. Go. And we would put it in today's language. Go and preach the good news. God had grace on the people of Nineveh. That had been against him for generations. And he also had grace on the sailors guys who had many gods, and they cried out to those many gods for their gods to save them, and none of those gods seemed to be working very well. So they find Jonah and wake him up, and Jonah introduces them to Yahweh. Now, they may have known about Yahweh because they lived in that uh, part of the Mediterranean that included the Hebrews but they may have seen him as uh, just one God, above God among gods. But when Jonah says to them, this is the God who made um, the earth and the seas, this uh, scares even more the sailors. So they cry out to Yahweh. And they said, Yahweh be, don't hold this against us, but we're going to throw your prophet overboard. Because that's what he suggested that we do. And we will, none of us will make it through this alive if we don't try this. So they do. And God shows grace to the sailors who really were not his people They worshipped all sorts of gods. And whether they were, quote, saved at the end of this, we really don't know. They could have just added Yahweh as the god above gods. But they did worship him. They did offer sacrifice to him. They made some kind of promises to him. But God saved them. The sea was calm. He Shared with them his grace, his mercy. It was going to Nineveh and it was given to the sailors. Now, I have a question for us Are you running toward God and his grace? Or are you running away from God and his grace? As followers of God, of followers of Jesus, we are told to run toward God's grace. And not only run toward it, we are told to live in it. And we are told to share that grace with the people around us. But Jonah did not like Nineveh. He didn't think it was deserving. The people were deserving of God's grace because they are so evil. And just as a side note, when you run from God, God still can come after you, but sometimes he may have to use drastic measures to get you back. So think about that. Think about the belly of the fish, of the whale. And that God may use that in your lives to draw you back to himself. And that, we would say, is grace as well. God had grace on Nineveh. He had grace on the sailors. And he had grace on Jonah. Grace is more than just um, giving out the four spiritual laws to a person and hoping that they will surrender their life to Jesus. Grace is the very fact that you look at a person or a people that are in need of God and his mercy and his grace, just even in a general sense, and we go there and we offer God's grace to them. God calls us to offer his grace to those people we think are the most evil. It's hard for us. When God says, live in grace toward those people who uh, live differently than you, look differently than you, eat differently than you, vote differently than you, Dress differently than you. Look at their own sexuality as different than you do. God says, it's to those people that I send you with my grace, my message of grace. God says to, to Noah, you know, take my grace, take my message to them. Perhaps they will turn. Who do you find it difficult to love, to agree with? Who's on your uh, bad person list? God is calling you like he called Jonah to bring his grace into that situation. It's like um, Samaritan's Purse. When uh, Hurricane Ida hit the uh, Gulf Coast and caused all of that destruction that will take years for people to work out of they almost immediately loaded up their semi trucks with all the materials that would be needed and headed down there while the water was still high to um, share the message of the gospel yeah But their first driving thing at that point was to show God's grace to people who were in desperate need of it. And that grace looked very practical. That grace was food and clothing and help of cleaning out houses that were destroyed. And yes, in the midst of that, to share God's love and the message of the gospel... But they were motivated by god 's grace to go and to help those people who were in need that 's how God deals with you not good news that 's how God has dealt with you he has he sent somebody into your life bringing Grace to you. Maybe it's a mom or dad or grandma and grandpa. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody on the street corner. Yes, their their desire was to share with you in such a way that you would choose Jesus and surrender to Him. But they came to you with God's grace. And maybe you would believe and maybe you wouldn't, but they still came with God's grace. And we need to remember that as the body of Christ, as the church here and here on, that God sends us out with his grace to minister to the needs of people around us, even those who we find incredibly difficult to stand next to. I don't know where God's going to call you to go, but he is going to call you. And you have a choice. You can run toward him and go the direction that he is already going, or you can run away. Remember, as the psalmist told us, there is no place that we can flee from his presence. He is there. And he will sometimes do what is necessary to get you back in the right direction. Question is, how long can you hold your breath? Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary as in or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.